What a powerful message. Praise God for, for that song and reminding us of who he is and why we worship him. Next week is our 28th anniversary for Sweet Communion, and we are thankful to the Lord for that day. Uh, we will just simply acknowledge it in a very simple way in our service in the morning. And so we welcome you to, to come and be a part uh, of our worship and our service. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to that. Also, um, as it was 28 years ago, we started church, this church, on March 20th, 1994. And March 20th happens to be my mom's birthday. And uh, this coming Sunday, she will celebrate number 90. Can you believe that? She is 90 years old, so I'm very thankful for that. Thankful for God having her here, and we're going to acknowledge her birthday uh, next week along with our anniversary. So we look forward to, to this. Our scripture reading this morning is found in Acts chapter 19 as we progress in our series. Let's read this together and then preach um, from God's word here. But I'm going to ask you, if you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. Our ushers will get a Bible to you that you can use throughout our service. And then let's all stand together in respect to the reading of God's holy word. We'll be reading Acts 19, the entire chapter. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Into what then were you baptized? They said, Into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. And he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about, about the kingdom of God. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way before the congregation, he, he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years so that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? 
And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastering all of them and overpowered them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Also, many of those who were now believers came, confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Now after these events, Paul resolved in spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia and go to Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I must also see Rome. And having sent into Macedonia two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while. About that time, there arose no little disturbance concerning the way. For a man named Demetrius, a silversmith, who made silver shrines to of Artemis brought no little business to the craftsmen. These he gathered together with the workmen in similar trades and said, Men, you know that from this business we have our wealth. And you see and hear that not only in Ephesus, but in almost all of Asia, this Paul has persuaded and turned away a great many people, saying that gods made with hands are not gods. And there is danger not only that this trade of ours may come into disrepute, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis may be counted as nothing, and that she may even be deposed from her magnificence, whom she whom all Asia and the world worship. When they heard this, they were enraged and, and were crying out, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! So the city was filled with the confusion, and they rushed together into the theater, dragging with them Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians who were Paul's companions in travel. But when Paul wished to go in among the crowd, the disciples would not let him. And even some of the Asiarchs, who were friends of his, sent to him and were urging him not to venture into the theater. Now some cried out one thing, some another, for the assembly was in confusion, and most of them did not know why they had come together. Some of the crowd prompted Alexander, whom the Jews had put forward. And Alexander, motioning with his hand, wanted to make a defense to the crowd. But when they recognized that he was a Jew, for about two hours they all cried out with one voice, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! And when the town clerk had quieted the crowd, he said, men of Ephesus, who is there who does not know that the city of the, of the Ephesians is temple, keeper, is temple keeper of the great Artemis and of the sacred stone that fell from the sky? Seeing then that these things cannot be denied, you ought to be quiet and do nothing rash. For you have brought these men here who are neither sacrilegious nor blasphemers of our goddess. If therefore Demetrius and the craftsmen with, with him have a complaint against anyone, the courts are open and there are proconsuls. Let them bring charges against one another. 
But if you seek anything further, it shall be settled in the regular assembly. For we are really, for we really are in danger of being charged with rioting today, since there is no cause that we can give to justify this commotion. And when he when he had said these things, he dismissed the assembly. May God give us understanding in the reading of his holy word. I'm going to ask if you remain standing with me with a powerful word of prayer. And then our choir will come for special music and then the preaching of God's word for this morning. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for allowing us to be here today. We thank you for the Lord Jesus who gave his life on the cross to pay for our sin. He was raised again on the third day to show your approval of what he had done. He is the one that you have appointed to be the savior of all who would believe in him. We thank you for the privilege of preaching the gospel from your word today. We pray, Lord, that you'd make your word plain and clear to us, that you would instruct us, you would challenge us, you would motivate us in doing your will. For some, that means to trust Christ as Lord and Savior. For, for some, it means to become a part of this church. For some, it means to walk in obedience to you in, in, in some specific way. For some, it's a guidance and direction of what that obedience looks like. We pray that you guide the hearts of your people to meet the challenges that they face through your power, through the guidance that you give. So we pray and thank you for, for this time. We pray for those who are sick. We think of Lawrence today, um, who will have a procedure, and that um, we just pray for the remedy that you can bring, the healing that's needed in his body. We're thankful for answering prayer during the week of uh, Jonathan, who recovered, has had surgery and is recovering well. Um, we're thankful for each one here today. For some who have traveled distance, for the Williams have come, we thank you for them. For others who have just been a regular part of this service, and we thank you for that. We pray, Lord, that we have that opportunity after service to fellowship for a while, to just greet and meet one another. But now, Lord, help us to give our attention to your word, the preaching of your word that comes right after the singing of the choir, that you open our hearts to your truth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please be seated. In Acts chapter 19, we start off with a difficult interaction, well, interaction that challenges our thinking concerning Scripture, and so let's take a look at this, but there's something important there uh, for us to learn. In verses 1 through 7, we have 12 men. I call it 12 men coming to faith at Ephesus. The flow of Acts is this. Jesus told his disciples that they were to be witnesses of him. And they were to start where they were in Jerusalem, spread out throughout the surrounding areas, Judea, 
Samaria, and spread as far as humans lived. In other words, to take the gospel everywhere. And what we see in Acts is the gospel going out. It is the power of the gospel that God uses to impact lives and draw men and women, boys and girls, to himself. God uses his word. The Holy Spirit works through that word to draw people to faith. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew and also to the Greek. He recognized that God had a plan to take this gospel everywhere And here, the gospel is focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at this in the first seven verses. Paul came across there in Ephesus. He says he found 12 men. Now, they are called disciples, but you have to understand the word disciple is a general term. What it means is a learner or a follower. The question is, who are you learning of and who are you following? There were disciples or learners or followers of many leaders in that day. When Paul talks in 1 Corinthians, he says, some of you are saying you follow Peter. Some of you are saying you follow me. Some of you are saying you follow Apollos. And some of you are saying you follow Christ. There were disciples of each of those men. John the Baptist himself was a leader who had followers, those who followed him. And in fact, these men were part of that group. So disciple does not mean necessarily a believer. It does not necessarily designate one who trusts in Christ. We're going to learn something from these men. They were called disciplers, or they were called disciples, but they weren't Christians. They weren't believers in Christ. They were, in fact, disciples of John. Paul asked them a question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? <laughs> Just like Paul. That's a loaded question, but it's a very important question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Well, what is it that they believed? Because they answered no. He said, we didn't even heard of the Holy Spirit. So when we learn something here, and this is what we often say in Acts, Acts is what we call a transitional book. In other words, it tells us the transition of the gospel going out and the responses to the gospel. And we see some transitions that are not what we call normative. In other words, they don't show us what we should be doing today. They show what happened then in this transition of people hearing the gospel and God calling these people to himself. So he asked them the question, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, no, we haven't even heard of the Holy Spirit. They knew nothing of Jesus, and they didn't know of the Holy Spirit. What is it then that they believed, or what is it that they have followed? They had followed Paul. In fact, he asked them. He says, 
Into what then were you baptized? They said, into John's baptism. And Paul then explains. You notice in the chapter previously last week, we saw Apollos and we saw Aquila, Aquila and Priscilla, husband and wife team, and they took Apollos and they explained in, in more thorough, clear terms this gospel message. And it was a big help to him. Well, we see a continuance of that, I think to a different degree. The Bible tells us in, in the previous chapter that uh, um, it says in verse 25, he had been instructed in the way of the Lord, about Apollos, being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus. I think he was on a, a different level than these men. Some would debate that. That's fine. But these men didn't know about Jesus. They didn't know about the Holy Spirit. And Paul asked them, what were you baptized? They were baptized with John's baptism. What was John's baptism? Well, Paul explains. He says this, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him. That is Jesus. In other words, he's saying, John baptized to get you ready and to prepare you, and he pointed to Jesus. It was John who, in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 29 and verse 35, John looks at Jesus and he declares, Behold the Lamb of God. He pointed people to Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That was, that was his whole purpose. He was simply an arrow to point to Jesus. Folks, this is all about Jesus. This gospel is about Jesus. Acts is about those who give witness and testimony to who? To Jesus. I shudder when I hear people's testimony. They go on and on about their life and where they came from and what they did and what they were involved in. I'm like, get to the main point. Get to Jesus. Get to the transition that brought you from where you were to where you needed to be that you couldn't get there without Jesus. Jesus is the main point. Notice what Paul says to them. Paul says, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him. That is Jesus. In other words, Paul explained to them the main point of what they were missing in life. They needed Jesus. They needed to, the same thing we need for salvation today is to put faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as the one and only Savior appointed by God whereby men's sins are forgiven them because of his death on the cross. He showed God's approval by God raising him from the dead. This is the one and only Savior of mankind. These men were good men. They were probably Jews. They were probably outstanding men of outstanding character. They wanted to know the truth, but something was missing. Someone was missing. They did not, they, they, they had a respect for the Old Testament scriptures. They listened to what John was saying. They followed after, at least they heard a little bit of what John was saying. John was really pointing to Jesus. That's the main point they missed. Look, you could be in church today and miss the point. 
You could be coming here regularly and saying amen and miss the point. You can agree with a lot that I say and miss the point of Jesus. If you do not trust Jesus as your Savior, you will not be saved. Paul explained to them and pointed and emphasized Jesus. He's in essence saying, how can you hear everything John said and miss the whole point? You see, they looked at the Old Testament scripture. They knew that a Messiah was coming, but what they failed to do is a connect, and the Holy Spirit is what helps you connect, you and I connect, connect this Savior, this Messiah who was sent by God with this Jesus who lived in front of them just 30 years prior to the the time of, of this writing or the events of this writing. Jesus had been there and had been crucified. And Paul is explaining That's the Jesus who is the Messiah. It's not enough just to believe in God. It's not enough to want to be good or to do right. It's not enough to be a moral, upstanding citizen. It's not enough to pay your taxes, be faithful to your husband or your wife, raise your children. That's not enough. All those things come in with trusting Jesus. But the main point, it first starts with trusting Jesus. Look what happens. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, Paul doesn't say, hey, look, I'm going to get you started with the Holy Spirit. I'm going to have you do this or do that. No, he says, look, I'm going to emphasize and teach to you who Jesus is and what's required of him. What required of you to trust in him. He simply points them to Jesus. And what happens? On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of Jesus. When Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. What was happening here? God was using the same sign to show that when a person comes to to, to Christ, whether they are the Jews in Acts chapter 2, whether they're Cornelius and and, and the Gentiles shown there in Acts chapter 10, or whether they're Acts chapter 8, the folks in in, 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 uh, 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 Samaria who come to trust in Christ everywhere, Jew or Gentile, when they come to trust in Christ, especially that, that, that first group of them, we see God shows that their faith is genuine by these signs And that is, they were speaking in tongues. This, I said, is transitional. We see this happening. God is showing. You you remember what um, Peter, when he went back to the Jerusalem church, and he explained how God was spreading the gospel to the Gentiles, and I'll paraphrase. He said, look, they believed, and God showed by the same signs he showed us Jews, that they were speaking in tongues and showed possession of the Holy Spirit. God was putting his stamp of approval on these 12 men when they believed in Christ, and he showed it that way, displayed the Holy Spirit to them, and let everybody know that they had come into the same faith and were equal with everyone else who had trusted Christ. That's why it happened. 
because they were speaking in tongues and prophesying. It says the group was about 12 men in all. I hope you get the point. The point here is Jesus is emphasized. The same thing that's required today was required of them, and that is they trust in Jesus as their Savior. Verse 8 through 10. As Paul normally did, it says he entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. Paul interacted with people in the synagogue because he went there first. He went to the Jew first, and he reasoned and persuaded. I like that. In other words, he was having interaction. It wasn't just as we do today in, in Sunday morning service. You, you hear a, 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 basically a monologue. You hear me preaching to you, and that's acceptable. That's fine, but that's not all that we do at church here. We also interact. There, there, there comes a time when you want to ask questions. Now, you can't just raise your hand and ask questions in this service here, but certainly afterwards there's a time when you can interact. Certainly through Sunday school there's a time to interact and ask questions. Paul used those times to reason with and to persuade. He, he, he was talking face to face and individually with those people so that they could understand the truth of the gospel message. They could understand how they were to read and interpret the Old Testament scriptures and how those scriptures pointed to Jesus. Jesus did just that in Luke chapter 24. It talks about on the road to Emmaus, how he explained to those men on the very day he was risen from the dead that the scriptures point to him. They talk about him. Look, it's about Jesus. So he began to persuade and to reason with them, it says, about the kingdom of God. Look at the response in verse 9. But when some became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way. Now, the term the way is, is, is a phrase that describes the believers of that day. Uh, I would imagine that that has something to do with following Jesus. Uh, um, in fact, John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so people around them began to categorize Christians that way and now they were they were criticizing and speaking evil of them and as a group they were called people of the way are you people of the way <laughs> are you following the path that Christ has set are you following that way it says so they began to to uh uh, uh speak evil of the way before the congregation and what Paul did he took he took those who, who were following Christ, he took them out of that setting and took them somewhere else. It says the school of, or the hall of Tyrannus. And he continued teaching there two years. Look what the impact was. And, and here's kind of a summary term of, of, you'll see this term in each part of the chapter here. And that's the end of verse 10. It says, so, so that the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. The word of God is growing, it is spreading, and its impact is growing as well. For two years, Paul is, is, is teaching and speaking and explaining the gospel. He's building a church there. 
Let's look at verse, the next section, verse 11 through 20. It says, God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hand of Paul. And then it names something that it seems like Paul doesn't have much to do with. The emphasis there is that it's God who does the miracles. He uses a, 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 an instrument. Paul was the instrument to be used. But it's God's power that's displayed. We're going to see here that we don't get carried away uh, um, with, with the power that's shown. But the source of that power is what we ought to give our attention to. God was doing extraordinary miracles. It says even pieces of cloth that touched Paul's body were sent out to people and they were healed by that. It's interesting in, in, in that day you had people who were superstitious who believed that, that they could get healing in that way and so, some kind of miracle potion was, was there by the presence. But here is God's powerful work. God is just simply saying, look, I can work any kind of way I want. He, he don't need to have a cloth to heal somebody. <laughs> he, he, he didn't need, he can just speak the word. Remember in John, I think it's John chapter 5, the Jesus at the pool of Bethesda is that um, people were waiting for the waters to be moved and they can jump in and get healed. And, and Jesus healed a man who didn't even get in the water. <laughs> people are superstitious and they think they have to come this way and, and they can do that. They, they believe all the junk that's said. You got to do this. You got to jump over this hoop and under this. And if you do this and you say these words and you, you, you get this incantation, then this will happen. God is just saying, look, I'm not bound by all that. I can do whatever I please. If I want to take a piece of thread that touched Paul and touch you with it and heal you, I can do that. But I don't even need the thread. Then we can come against this group of fake priests. Look what they did. It says some itinerant Jewish exorcists. Now the word exorcist are those who, who think they can practice power over demons and command them to, to, to be gone. Can I say this? Don't try this at home. God did not tell us to be doing this today. Now, there's a reason for us not to have to fear the power of wickedness. The Bible tells us if God is for us, who can be against us? But these, now, God had given some powers to his apostles. Certainly Jesus had the power and displayed that power to command wicked or evil spirits to depart from possessing individuals. And even some of the apostles that I've mentioned did that same thing. But God had instructed them and empowered them to do that. It says that these itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of Jesus, the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits. Now invoke, in other words, that they were, they were giving some kind of incantation. They thought the power of Paul's words is where this magic belonged, this secret belonged. If they can simply say the name of Jesus, 
You see it today. We even see it in our movies. You know, you go to these, 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 these wild, crazy movies, and you have a priest, and, 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 and this man possesses coming at him. What they do? Try to show some sign of the cross. And just by seeing the cross, the demon is going to move back. It's like ridiculous. Ridiculous. The power of the cross is not just a symbol of it. The power of, uh, to, to, to move demons is the power that belongs to God himself, and it doesn't come by you repeating some incantation. And so these men say, hey, it's working for Paul. Let's try it. People will be impressed when we do these things. And so it says they undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus. Look what they say. I adjure you. By the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. In other words, they admit that they got no relationship. See, look, here's the whole bottom line. No relationship, no power. If you don't have relationship with Jesus, then you can't come using his power. Doesn't work that way. So be careful. <laughs> I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of this high priest were doing this. It says, but the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know. And Paul I recognize, but who are you? When Jesus came in the midst with wicked evil spirits, you see that throughout the Gospels, they recognized him. Jesus had command over them. He could tell them to be silent. He could tell them to depart. In fact, they were fearful of Jesus. They would, they would come and, and, and bow down before him and say, have you come to, 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 to uh, uh, torture or to destroy us before the time? They knew that Jesus in a moment could speak and they would find their final judgment. By the way, they're not in final judgment right now. They are, in fact, roaming to and fro on the earth. We do encounter them. But here's the secret. It's not by a secret of words. People think they could just say Jesus' name and this just solves their problem. It's not the name and it's not it being said. It's the relationship with the person. I went to school, just like many schools, there were always bullies around and, and people who wanted to pick at you. But it wasn't necessarily because I stood strong and looked tough. Oftentimes, they say, he's a kenner. If we mess with him, we got to mess with all the brothers. And so we're going to leave him alone. The power that we have over evil and evil spirits, and the reason why you don't have to walk out of here in fear, is because of a relationship a connection with Jesus who's Lord over everything. So it's not by you using some magic potion or saying special words or even saying Jesus' name. It's who you are. If you're connected with Jesus. Jesus said in John chapter 10, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. In other words, I'm a shepherd. And guess what shepherds do? They protect their sheep. So when a sheep comes up against a wolf, he doesn't just say magic words to get the wolf to go away. 
when the wolf recognized, oh man, that he belongs to him, and I see the shepherd right over there, I, I, I'm going to go for something that's a little easier. It's your relationship with the shepherd that matters. Not you wearing a cross around your neck. Not you carrying a Bible with you for good luck charm. It's your relationship to the Savior. It's all about Jesus. These seven fake priests was going to fake it. The devil knew. The demons knew. They said, hey, Jesus, we certainly know. And Paul, we recognize. In other words, we recognize that God has given this man some real power, and we ain't playing with that. But who are you? Who are you? Look what happened. It says, the man in whom was the evil spirit, and that's a lesson right there. Evil spirits want to possess a body. And that's what they did. The man in whom was the evil spirit, what did he do? Leaped on them, mastered all of them. I like that word, master. <laughs> he just disrespected them. He just beat them down. It says they went out of that place naked and wounded. I mean, that's a pretty tough fight, right? When you come out of a fight and your clothes is all ripped off, and you are beat down. That's a real beating. Can you imagine that? One man against seven, and that's how they looked? We used to come home from a fight, you know, and you, you go, you know, yeah, my hair a little messed up. That's saying, I won, you know. You should see him. The sons of Sceva. <laughs> they weren't telling nobody the fight they was in. Satan's spirit or, or, or demon had completely overpowered these men. Now, notice, this is a funny story, if you're on the right side of, of funny. And I hope that you are. But look what happens. Why is he telling us this story? Why am I telling you this story? Verse 17, this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. There is that, that, that phrase again. We saw it uh, in verse 10. So that all the residents of Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. We see that phrase is that God is working his power through his word, and God is getting the glory. So people came to know what happened, and they're saying, look, look, this God is real, and those who trust in this Jesus are real, and the phonies ain't the same. They don't have the same power. Satan does respect them. But something else happened, I like. It says, Verse 18, also many of those who are now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. This is a testimony of turning from sin. 
Believers came confessing and divulging their practices. In other words, the stuff they were into now, they give up and sacrifice for, for, for the life of Christ. They're no longer interested in it. In fact, it says they burn all their books. This is where, you know, all the incantations and all this, the magic stuff, all the power that they had. You know, if somebody has this stuff, it, it's very powerful. They, 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 they don't even want to give it away. For other people to have it, it's like their secret. Magicians kind of have that code is, is they'll never tell you how, how, how they do their, their, their trick. Because that, that's, where, that's where all the power, I mean, that, that's, that's, that's their thing. They don't want to give it up to somebody else. These people didn't want to give their evil practices to someone, for, someone else to, to get into that lifestyle. They wanted to end it. They wanted to get rid of it. And they were willing to do it at great cost. It says the value of these things. I wonder why they give you the value. They're trying to show you how much they were into this, this, um, this, this black magic, this, this evil things that they were doing. They were into it to the point of, it says, 50,000 pieces of silver. In other words, it was, it was, it was a big business. They could have sold this and gotten the money. It's like if they were drug dealers, right? And they're saying, this is our old lifestyle, and we're going to give up this lifestyle, but we still, got this, we still got this load of drugs, and, you know, we could just sell it on the street and get all this money. But say, no, we don't want to sell it. Let's destroy it so nobody else suffers from these kinds of things. They were willing to forego that much profit because walking in Christ meant more to them than money. Now, there's a lot of practical applications there, and I pray to God to press some of those on your heart. Walking with Christ is more important than the material gains of this world, of this life. That's what, that's what people who have trusted in Christ do. They, they, they realize that there's some things more important. They have new value system now. And walking and serving Christ and getting the gospel out is primary in their values now. There's a change system. Again, look at the last section, verse 20. We see that phrase again. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. When Jesus is emphasized among the 12 men who knew everything but Jesus, Paul introduced Jesus and the word of God continued. He went about teaching. And when people pulled away and had poor responses, he took the group of believers and taught them for two years, and the word of God continued. This great testimony display with the sons of Sceva, the word of God continued. The believers got together and threw away everything that was of past value to them that they needed and wanted no more. The word of God continued. Testimony of turning from sin. The last section is probably the longest section, but it's, it's, it's an easy section to look at and to, to simply speak on. It's a riot at Ephesus. Let me get right to the point. It's, it's amazing to me when 
people are disturbed by the truth and comforted by a lie. That's the stage of the world today. Disturbed by the truth and comforted by a lie. You see this person, Demetrius, and by the way, he started a union there. Workers, they were making a lot of money out of selling idols to, 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 to idol worshipers. They had this goddess named Artemis. And it says that, you know, he had the business of making these shrines and silver shrines. And he made a lot of money. And I don't know if he contracted out, but there was a whole industry based on this that brought lots of money to these people. And I want you to remember, remember, remember Paul's reaction uh, 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 when he was there in Athens and he saw this idol worship, just vile idol worship, and it, it just disturbed him in his spirit. And, and, and now he comes into Corinth, uh, um, uh, and you see the, 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 the wickedness there, and now he comes into, into uh, Ephesus here, and all of this stuff going on. Look, it's like their whole economy or a good portion of the economy is, is, is off of this kind of nonsense. And so Demetrius takes issue with Paul's teaching because they hit his pocketbook. The more, I want you to see something. Paul is not protesting on the streets. And, and, and what he's doing, he's simply preaching the gospel. He's going everywhere he can, preaching the gospel, and people are turning to God and turning from idols to, to where the economy was affected. And people like this craftsman, Demetrius, he was saying, hey, man, we're going to go broke because all the sinners is getting saved. And that's because of Paul. Notice the impact of preaching God's word on an entire community where a group of people get so mad that people are being saved and turning from their idols because they're losing money. I was looking for an analogy, and I don't know if I can find a good one, but um, we live in Beer City itself. It's, it, it would be like us in Milwaukee just totally abstaining from any alcohol because of the name of Christ. Now, I'm not saying that that's what the Bible tells us to do. The Bible says, don't be drunk with wine. Well, I understand that, and you understand that. Um, but but if, if, if God's people were to do something in that regard to where more people got saved and it changed the whole economy of our, uh, of our city, what if they had to change the brewer's name from brewers to worshipers? <laughs> uh, you know the team would probably go down and it wouldn't be a whole lot of supporters and they'd be mad because we got because we wrecked we christians wrecked the brewers wrecked milwaukee that's kind of what was going on here in, in ephesus and so he got a mob together you'll see some trends uh with a mob you see the anger there you see people getting together, don't even know what they're coming for. We see that right here in Milwaukee. People protesting don't even know why or what it is they're doing. Don't get easily caught up 
in the flow of the crowd understand what's going on. By the way, like I said, Paul did not do anything but preach the gospel. He wasn't protesting people who made idols and making signs and bad talking. He simply preached the gospel, and it had an impact on his community. Where they got together and said, hey, we got to do something about this dude. He is causing us to lose our business. So they all come together in the theater, and you can see um, what happened there. And it says they put guy up front to, to do the talking. He was Alexander. And you, I just want to explain what happened there. It says um, in verse 23, excuse me, verse 33, some of the crowd prompted Alexander, whom the Jews had put forward. Um, you understand there's two groups, probably three groups of people. There are Gentiles, those who are not Jews. There are Jews who, who the old school folks, these are the kind of folks Jesus had problems with, the Pharisees all the time, because they, they claimed to love the Old Testament, but they hated Jesus. Doesn't really go together, does it? And then you have those who have been saved from one or both of those groups who are now Christians. Maybe they were Jews, maybe they were Gentiles, but they're now Christians. So you had both mainly those three groups. Now, of course, Jesus and his disciples were all Jews, but now Jesus' way is teaching them. And so in that day, in that early day, in that formative time, the world, the Gentiles, kind of had this uh, stigma that Jews were causing this problem because Christianity came from a group of Jews. So when Alexander came up to kind of quiet the crowd, they saw he was a Jew, they didn't want to listen to him. They assumed that he was part of the nonsense, the Christian way. Not that he was, but they just assumed that. So that was what was happening. And so what did they do? Verse 34, when they recognized that he was a Jew, for about two hours, they all cried out with one voice, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. You know, the whole Old Testament speaks on this. If Artemis is so bad, why don't she protect herself? Is she something more than a face on a pole or something made out of silver? Why don't she stand up for herself? Some people think of Christianity that way, thinking we're standing for God. They don't know the truth. I'm not standing to protect God. I'm standing to protect you from God. You don't know the fury of his wrath and the judgment that is to come. The gospel is to say, y'all better watch out. Y'all don't know who y'all playing with. That's a whole different thing. And so... It says in verse 35, the town clerk, it's kind of like the mayor of the, of the whole town, is coming to quiet the situation. You notice that the mayor recognizes that the believers had done nothing wrong. And what he says to them basically is this. If you got a real dispute, bring it to court. This is nonsense. Y'all getting all up these riots and, and, and getting people to act and do things that, that ain't right. Remind me of a news thing that guy just from Chicago just got uh, convicted um, who was acting like he got 
um, like like the, like um, Trump followers put a noose around him and they found out all to be a hoax and all to be untrue and still the president won't distance himself from that. Well here the mayor had some common sense and what he said was look at this thing for what it is. These people haven't done anything wrong. They haven't done anything against the law. If you think that they have, do it the right way. Go into court and make your case, but you don't have a case. Well, I said that people were comforted in a lie. Notice what he says when he's trying to calm down the people. Men of Ephesus, verse 35, who is there who does not know that the city of, Ephes of the Ephesians is temple keeper of the great Artemis? and of the sacred stone that fell from the sky. I just want to laugh when I heard that. He calmed the people down by saying that. Can you see them there saying, yeah, I'm glad you said that. We know that's right. Really? A stone fell from the, look, we know it. It's just a meteor, right? Stuff happens all the time. A rock falls out of the sky and they worship it. <gasps> Must be a god. Let's build a temple. This is our old great Artemis. How lovely and magnificent you are. And if she's so magnificent, how is Paul bringing her down with words? Demetrius saying, hey, guys, we got to get together because this Paul, he's going to tear our whole system down by preaching the gospel. Oh, how great is your God? That's the problem, folks. Anything that's not centered in Jesus is utter foolish, and the people who follow it don't even know it. The mayor comes up front and says, look, man, y'all know what y'all got here. Y'all know Artemis is real. And that quiets them down. Look at verse 23. About that time, there arose no little disturbance concerning the way. What roused people up? The way. The gospel. That said, basically says this. Jesus lived, he died, and he rose again, and that's a fact of history. And it means something significant. God, it shows God's approval with this man. There's not another man ever who did that. It's a fact of history. That gets them riled up. But the lie sets them at ease. They're like, say, I'm glad you said that. Man, we was getting upset. So he says, seeing that these things cannot be denied, verse 36, you ought to be quiet and do nothing rash. Now, it's true. They should be quiet and do nothing rash. But the lie is, these things cannot be denied. Are you going to believe the lie, or are you going to rest in the truth? The other thing you'll see as you walk through this is the confusion that was caused. Satan loves to cause great confusion so that the lie can become the thing and it's not even evaluated, not even looked. Nobody says, hmm, Artemis stole fall out the sky. 
That's what we fighting over? But you know, some had said that. Not because Paul was saying that, but simply the gospel. The gospel brings common sense. Did you know that? The gospel has a great impact, and it is able to change all of society. But Paul simply preaching it that people get saved. People will trust Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I pray today that you would trust Christ, that you would not rely on anything else, not be comfortable in anything else, but come and trust Christ as your Lord and Savior. The Bible is showing that this stuff is real, it's genuine. It's the lie stuff that people are believing instead, instead of the simple truth of who Jesus is and their salvation in him and only him. We thank you, Father, for your word. Your people today are gathered to hear your truth. We thank you for your power that comes in this truth, centered on this person, Jesus. We pray that we might live in this faith of trusting in Jesus and that we might endeavor to spend our life speaking of Jesus, telling others of Jesus. There's no greater person, no greater thing, no greater one to believe in, to turn people to, or for us to be turned to. May we be willing, like the believers there, to sacrifice tons or thousands of dollars for the sake of the value of Jesus Christ and turning to him. Bless all, and we know that you will bless all who turn to Christ today. In Jesus' name we pray.